disciples. Over the last month I was reading, I've just been reading in the book of John for myself. And as I read through the book of John, I, it, there's three types of disciples that stood out to me. Not the person, but type in the characteristics. And I thought, this is exactly what I think people need to hear right now. And I'll explain it to you in just a minute. Um, kids are starting school. We got homeschoolers here. We got some Christian schoolers in the church. And you start school and you are a really a, a disciple. You're a student. And you, you know, get evaluated by your teacher. You get grades and all that. We are also, as Christians, to be students of the Lord. We're to be His disciples, His students. The word disciple means a learner, a follower. And it's interesting. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you each type of disciple right now. And I'm going to we'll emphasize the first one today. Just consider it. It's right there. It's, Jesus dealt with this. There's three kinds of disciples. There is a disciple who is an unbeliever. All right? I'll show you. And I don't mean just Judas. There, is, there are disciples who are unbelievers that Jesus dealt with. Secondly, there are believers who are not disciples. That's in John chapter 8. There are believers, they believe, they just need to start following. A lot of people like that. They're saved and that's about it. And then at the end of John, there's a disciple who needs to just keep persevering in his discipleship, and that's Peter. He had some difficulty where he wanted to get distracted on some things that were not necessarily bad, but Peter was a disciple who needed to just tighten up and keep persevering in discipleship. And I'm like, everybody needs to hear those, type, those three right there. Again, a disciple who's not a believer, a believer who's not a disciple, and a disciple who just needs to reinforce his discipleship and keep following the Lord and not get distracted. We're going to look at that. So John 6, this is an interesting passage. It's about the bread passage. They call it the bread passage. Jesus multiplied bread, the first part of the chapter. Fed the famous 5,000, right? With five low barley loaves and two small fishes. Jesus fed a bunch of people, much food, had extra, miraculously. People started becoming a magnet to him. Whoa, he can, he's, got a, he's a truck. What do you call a food truck, right? He's got a food truck. He's got a lot in there. We're going to follow him. So he had to deal with people. There's something interesting about that crowd. Let's, just back, let's look in John 6. <clears throat> and just please be patient. We're going to read quite a bit. And then I'm going to try to make this very plain and understandable for us all today. All right, let's listen to Jesus' words. John 6, look at verse 35. He had... He had just multiplied bread and fishes. They were fed, and then people started chasing him down. They want to find out, where's he at? Where's he at? Maybe he'll give us more bread. They wanted more bread. So Jesus is dialoguing with these people. Verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and have not, and not believed, or believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. 
And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If a man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What, and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? 
and one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, again, I think in a, this is really good. We need this right here. Do you see what's happening? Jesus has got, he, multi, he deals with crowds. He fed a big crowd. He loved them. He had compassion on them, fed them all the miraculously, the uh, fish sandwiches, right? You know, and the supply was from a little boy who had, you know, five barley loaves and two small fishes. And it's like, we'll make it work. And he fed them. And he, later on, the next day, they, all the crowd was looking around for, where is he? Where is he? And they end up getting in ships and going across the sea and trying to find Jesus because Jesus went, uh, ended up going across the Sea of Capernaum or the uh, Galilee, Sea of Tiberias to Capernaum. And they're looking for him, looking for him. And they, hey, how's it going? It's kind of like, got any more food? They just wanted to be fed. And, 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 and for a while there, he, he was speaking to them about some things. But in the midst of all this, the language that the Bible uses is it calls these people who are following him, who are attending his church, who are giving, listening. He calls them disciples. But he says, many of you believe not. That's what he says. Many, therefore, uh, when he, listen, look what it says. Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They're disciples, they're followers, but they're not believers. Did you know there's a lot of people in churches that are in churches? They're following. And I'm not saying we're exempt from this because we, you know, kind of, you know, are things that we like to be. I'm saying there's a lot of, there's a lot of churches where there's a lot of people coming there and they're following. And they would consider themselves, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower, I'm a learner. I go every Sunday or I'm this and that and this group and that group and this. And I'm not trying to make everybody doubt everything. But there's a lot of people who are following for bread for just the earthly benefit thing that don't really believe. There's, you can go, um, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but my wife knows this, and, and we'd seen this happen. Um, you can be enrolled in a Christian school and be in a Christian school and not be a Christian. And be legitimately enrolled in a Christian school and get all the grades and pass and maybe get some awards. And legitimately be enrolled and graduate and not believe the Christ of the Christian school. Well, Jesus has got this school following him. And so that doesn't mean they're believers, though, because he points them out. He confronts them. You can be a member of a church, but not a member of the role in heaven. You can be a pastor. There's a famous guy, his name was Josh Harris. He was a big-time homeschooler. He spoke at conventions and all this. And he wrote a book, Why I Kissed Dating Goodbye. He had some excellent things about the dangers of dating and all this. And then he kind of started having this weird journey. He became a pastor before you know it. He's basically an atheist and divorced his wife. And I don't know if there's other things. It's weird. And I'm like, he's, he never was a believer. He was a follower. He was an influencer and all that. But he's not a believer. He was a disciple who believed not. Let's look at three 
issues that relate to disciples who believe not. Three issues, the characteristics, the confrontation, and the correction of these, believe, of these disciples who believe not. Okay, here we go. The characteristics of a disciple who doesn't believe. Here's the first characteristic. He believed that Jesus was a special person. Most people that follow or are in a Christian church still believe Jesus is special. Look what it says in chapter 6. Those men, verse 14, the people that were here that saw Jesus do the miracle, those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus said, this is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. They are referencing a prophecy from Moses. And they see Jesus do this miracle. He's that one prophet. He's a really special one that Moses told about. You can be an unbelieving disciple, but still look at the Jesus, Jesus Christ and say, He's special. That doesn't mean you're a believer. Characteristics of an unbelieving disciple is they believe he's a special prophet. Now, another thing is, I'm doing ABC, B, they seek benefits from them, and they find them, and they travel for them. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, ye seek me. So this crowd, they traveled, they got on boats trying to find Jesus again. They went across the sea. Where's he at? Where's he at? And they, where's he at? Where's he at? And they traveled and they, they found him. And Jesus says, you seek me. And people were looking for Jesus and they're looking for bread. People can benefit from Christian things. You can benefit from a Christian church. You can benefit from a Christian college. You can benefit from a Christian hospital, but not benefit from Christ's eternal life if you don't trust him. You can benefit from a Christian food bank, but still die and go to hell. And so these people, they, benef- they believe he was a special person. They sought benefits from him. They traveled. I remember there's a guy. I remember one time we used to pick up kids in this neighborhood in Chandler, and there was this one kid. I'll just say his name was Alan. He would come. He was a teenager. I picked him up. He ate a lot of food. I do remember that. I took him to Wendy's. I'm like, I'm going to buy for you, man. There was two of the teens. They didn't have money. We went to teen night. There's teens. They all bought something. I'm like, Alan and um, Nathan, the other guy. I'm like, I'll buy for you guys. Alan about, he ate a lot. Man, triple. Had a triple something and extra. Uh, oh, man. Anyways, well, Alan, I would go visit him. And I would try to, when I'd visit these kids, I'd try to get like their dad, talk to their mom and dad. Hey, you want to come to church? And his dad was always like, yeah, what are you guys doing over there? What are you guys doing? I don't know. And they're like, hey, you ought to come sometime. You know, this will be good. We're going to have the teens do this or that. Maybe you can watch Alan. Oh, man, I'll think about it. One time I showed up at his house, and I was not trying, to, trying to find Alan. And I'm like, hey, I forgot, Mr. Whoever. I can't remember what his first name was, but I called him by his name. And I said, it'd be good to see you come to church sometime. He goes, why don't you guys have a softball team or something? So, you guys got a softball team? I said, no, I mean, it'd be pretty cool too. But he goes, why don't you have, maybe if you have a softball team sometime, I'll come. Why don't you guys do something like that? Okay, okay, man. And it's like, you know, and he was being serious and saying that. And it, it just came with this tone of, you know what, what do you got for me? What do you got for me, man? <laughs> Only the message of eternal life you can live forever, that's all, you know. And, and I think we tried to get some, but he was more focused on what do you got? What do you got? Oh, you don't got, then I'm showing up. You know, and sometimes that's like that in churches, Churches should have blessings of like fellowships and maybe a, some kind of social benefit. That's fine. But ultimately, why are people attached to a religious gathering? Why? Because of bread? Because of some benefit? Or is it because of the bread of life? That's what Jesus is emphasizing here. And so what is a characteristic of an unbelieving attendee, an unbelieving follower? 
They seek the benefits. They find them. They experience them. They see, the letter C, they see and experience a miracle. Look at verse 26. Jesus said, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus is saying he acknowledged that they did see a miracle. They did see him multiply bread and fishes. They saw that. They saw and experienced a miracle. Somebody could say, you know, I've seen a lot. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen many amazing things in my life. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. That doesn't mean you're going to die and go to heaven. Judas saw amazing things. I think he probably, maybe God used his hands to do some miracles. God can use a donkey if he wants to. He can certainly use even an unsaved Judas that he picked out if he wants to. So just because you've done amazing things or seen amazing things doesn't mean you're saved and you have the bread of life. You can be an unbelieving disciple. And so what else? They ate with him. These people ate with Jesus. Can you imagine that? I got it. They got to do something you didn't get to do. I haven't eaten with Jesus in that sense like this. They ate with Jesus. They saw Jesus multiply bread and fishes. They ate with him. Letter E, they attended a religious place. Look at verse 59. Look at verse 59. Again, unbelieving disciples, they're following, but they just need to believe. And verse 59 says, These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. There was a lot of people that came to this synagogue. They were in a religious place. It wasn't like, well, I don't know. I just want to go over there, you know. No, they were comfortable. I'll go to the religious place. I'll be with Jesus. I got the bread and fish. I'm going to keep following. Where's he going next? And they were diligent about that, but doesn't mean they're saved. This is a disfollower, followers who were unsaved. Um, Yet they didn't truly believe for their soul. Look at verse 36. As Jesus says, um, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believed not. You've seen all this. You've seen me, but you haven't believed for yourself. Remember, Nicodemus was like that. We can run over to John 3. We won't right now. But some chapters back, Jesus had a guy. Same thing. That's an awesome chapter. It's a really good chapter. This man, Nicodemus, was a ruler of the Jews. He knew the Bible. Watch this. Nicodemus saw who Jesus was, and he knew that he was the one. He he met with Jesus by night. He says, we know you're a prophet sent from God. Nobody can do these miracles that you're doing unless God's with them. And Jesus says, well, you need to still be born again. And there was a spiritual work that still needed to be done on him in order for him to be a true believing disciple. And by the end of the life of Christ on earth, he was a believing disciple. And he made it right. So here we go, characteristics. Let's go to the next thing. Confrontation of an unbelieving disciple. Jesus confronts people who are following, but he knows they don't believe. He confronts them. Look at verse 36, as as we read earlier. He says, he's confronting, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. So the crowd caught up with him and he's like, hey. And he's like, hey, uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, they're like, weren't interested in bread. And Jesus said, Jesus backed up. He says, um, he says, he says, verse 29, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he had sent. Verse 30, the crowd says, Ah, uh, what kind of sign are you going to show us that uh, 
You going to show us a sign that we can see and believe? Uh, it's kind of like you just had one the day before. They wanted another sign, like, can you just do some more bread and thing, you know, get some more food? What sign, therefore? Jesus, they said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus goes on to explain that he's the better bread. Taking of him. Eating Jesus is not this spooky Lord's table that some people do. And it's not cannibalism. It's taking him by faith. When you eat something, you are depending all, you're like, oh, I'm just, it's going to do what it's going to do. You drink something, it's going to do what it's going to do. You eat something, you're depending on it. When I trust Jesus as my Savior, it's like you're eating him. In his case, I take Jesus as my Savior. I live forever. In the Old Testament, people who had the divine manna from heaven, they ate it. They still died in their body. It was only a symbol of Jesus. It wasn't Jesus himself. But back up to the point, Jesus confronts them. He confronts them. You seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you had bread. Verse, look at verse 43. Verse 43. Jesus answered them and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. I know you're fussing right now. You're all fussing about something. And he basically says, The reason you're fussing is because you're not really a believer. Look at verse 64. Verse 64. Again, we read some of these. Jesus says to the crowd, There's some of you that believe not. He's confronting them. It's good to have somebody confront you, not in a mean way. My wife, when she was younger, one time, she grew up in this church. She grew up as a pastor's kid. When she was younger, she had one lady say, so when were you saved? Maybe she was like 10, 11, 12, I don't know, early teens. And my wife had like some kind of answer, but my wife said, you know, that got me thinking. I don't, was I really saved? And she realized it wasn't a genuine decision. And she got saved later on when she was about 15 or 16. But it was just a lady said, when were you saved? And that's kind of what Jesus said. So what's going on with you all? You, and he knew the conclusion. In this case, some of you believe not. He's confronting them. Here, look at it. Two descriptions of Jesus' confrontation. When he confronts them, they're disturbed. Yeah, they're all fussy. Look at verse 41. Then the Jews murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. They get all disturbed. Look at verse 52. Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Look at verse uh, 60. Look at verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear this? So Jesus is speaking in the symbolic terms about him being the thing they really need and that they don't believe not. And they're like, we don't understand this. This is... Yeah, and they get all offended. But his confrontation disturbs them. Letter B, his confrontation, when he confronts them, they decide to cut back. They decide to cut loose. Look at verse 66. Verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Well, I don't like this stuff. They're attending the Jesus church. And the bread's not always there. And then all of a sudden he says these things that are kind of, seem to be kind of like narrow-minded and strange. And I'm not a believer. What are you talking about? What's he talking about? I'm not going to that church anymore. And that's what they do. And that's what people do in churches right now. And I'm not saying we're trying to be a church to make everybody upset at. We're not. We're just trying to follow Jesus. And I'm saying sometimes people come to churches and they're in churches and then all of a sudden the pastor says something just very plain and clear or another person in the church 
present some, and people go, wow, wow, I don't know about that. I, I'm looking at two names right now on this, on this paper. I'm like, I, I've had in the last five, ten years, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to pick on people. It's just bound to happen, okay, in this little church. People come, they, and I'm not trying, again, I'm not picking on anybody. But there was a person that came one time, he kept coming, and he liked it. He'd come to the fellowships. I remember they brought something, he and his wife. And I visited him like twice with my son-in-law, Will, at the time, because I, I don't think this guy's really a believer. And I, again, I'm just trying to make the assessment as much as I can, some of the things he's saying, and, and I kept talking to him, and, and uh, he was very self-righteous and how, you know, I've done this, and I do that, and, and I'm this and that. And, and I, when I'd visit him in the house, it was almost like, What's, what are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, I know I sin like everybody else, but it was like he didn't realize that he was a sinner who was helpless and only faith alone in Christ can save him. And it was like he wasn't getting that. And I, would, and I, tried, I wasn't harassing him, but I did two very strong moments of witnessing to him on two separate visits. And I think after a while, he was just like, I don't know what they, what they think is wrong with me. And he just stopped coming. And it wasn't that I was saying, like, you're some weird person. I'm just trying to help him see. I don't think you're really born again. Is, and we laid out some scriptures, and it was like, ah, I'm not going to do this anymore. And he'd stop coming. And, um, and that's happened to two people. I'm looking at two people. That's happened to where, look, you, sometimes you just need to be confronted. Am I really saved, or am I just a fan? Am I on the team, or am I just a fan? Right? And that's the same thing even in this little church. Like, hey. Are we just fans of the pastor? I don't know if you're fans of the interior, you know. We're working on that for a while. Or of other people here, whatever. It's got to be beyond that. So Jesus confronts them. Um, the crowd comes. He confronts them, and they get disturbed, and some of us leave. They leave off. And um, I love the, isn't this beautiful, what Peter says? Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. Jesus, I mean, Jesus is roughing them up. Yeah. Verse 67, I love it. Will you also go away? Don't you like that? It's like they, a bunch of them leave, and the 12 are standing there, and Jesus is like, you guys going to go away? And they're like, Peter's like, we're not going anywhere. We're convinced. We believe and are sure that they, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And they stayed, but even still, one more hung around a little longer, didn't he? One more kept hanging around. Judas still stayed for a little while. Again, this whole thing is going back to you assess yourself and think about others. Am I a real disciple? Am I a real believer who is therefore a disciple as well? Ask yourself that. But also, is there somebody in my life that I need to have maybe a little more concern about in this regard? That's a fan, but not on the team. So, anyways... They should decide, they didn't decide to convert to Christ. So here's the correction. So we looked at the characteristics of confrontation. The correction, so here's the deal. Correct. So if you have people that are following but not really saved and they're disciples but they're not believers and, and we see the traits of Jesus confront them, how can something like that be corrected? Here's three points here. The correction, how, how do you remedy something like that? Well, in the text here, number first thing we see, letter A, is a person, there must be a drawing. A person must be drawn to God. 
by God, like a fish getting snagged and reeled in. The fish doesn't come swimming to you. You nail that fish and you bring them in. And Jesus uses those terms on people getting saved. He snags a person and he starts drawing them in. Now, there's, a con- there's still the free will side. I get all that. But God makes the first move. Jesus makes it evidently clear right here. Look at verse 44. Uh, Jesus says in verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me draw him. That is fishing terms right there. And I will raise him up at the last day. And he describes this. He quotes the prophet. It's written in the prophets. They shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, the Father's been dealing with him, cometh to me. Not that any man hath seen God, the Father, save he which is of God, even he hath seen the Father. And then look at verse um, 40, uh, 40, pardon me, 65, verse 65. He said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him unto him of my Father. I mean... God, I want God to snag me <laughs> if I wasn't saved. Like I, I'm just saying God is, deals with people and draws them in. And so as Jesus is dealing with those people, you're not believers. And part of his message back to them is you can't come to me unless the Father is dealing with you and drawing you. That's what he says. That's what he says. And so maybe it made them a, whatever purpose to awaken them to be like, oh. And to get them to be more tuned. Wait a minute. What is God teaching me about this bread multiplier? Is the Father dealing with me on this? And there's got to be a compelling. There's got to be a drawing. I've dealt with the last few, probably seven years of me trying to witness to people and deal with them is trying to perceive if God is already working on them. Because it's two people to do this thing. It's not just me. And I remember dealing with several people going, I would finally say to them, God's going after you. He's trying to reel you in. I think you just need to hear this message right here. This is the final thing you need to know is the gospel and believe it because he's already been working on you. You can come to Christ by believing on him at this point. So if a person is a following, they're following in church, following Christianity, they're a disciple in a sense, they're a learner, but they're not saved, they won't be saved unless there's a drawing, unless there's some kind of conviction, unless there's some kind of stirring and compelling of God on the inside of them. And they need to respond to that. That's how you got saved. You didn't get saved unless God dealt with you on the inside. And you responded to that. It's in conjunction with this gospel. It's in conjunction with likely a, a, a preacher or whatever, a Christian witness. But that's how God works. He draws. No man can come except the Father draw him. Letter B, there must be a desire for the soul. The soul must have a desire for such a thing. There must be a desire for a, the soul's issues, not just the body's issue. Look at verse 32 to 35. Their desire was not anything of the soul. Verse 32, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So Jesus is showing the people, he's like, you're just, you're interested in the physical stuff, not the stuff for the soul. You're interested in the temporal stuff, not the stuff that's for eternity. And so there's got to be a concern, an awakening, a desire for 
the eternal and for the issues of my soul. I was trying to talk to this lady yesterday when we went out door knocking, and and I and she took time. I wasn't. I don't try to harass people. I wait and see if they. She came out and ended up talking a little bit and giving Grant a soda, and he was pretty happy about that. And so, um, but everything she kept saying back to me is, "Oh, the world's a mess," and and uh, the politics, and then. And all, the, all that stuff that's, that's, you know, world stuff, life stuff. And I kept trying to say there's more than that. Everything in this world is going to fail eventually. And I was trying to help her see, what about your soul when you die? I was trying to help her see that's the thing that needs to be tended to. That's the thing that needs to be put in order. And not worrying about improving the politics, improving the... the um, Enhancing the life and your issues of life, those are, those are legitimate things that people have concern about. But what about when you die? What about when you die? And, God, and she was a little stirred, and, and I think there will be some follow-up there, at least by a note. So anyways, there must be a desire. Remember, Jesus would tell people, hey, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? All right, so that's what Jesus is saying. They need to be drawn to have an awakened desire that's beyond food and temporal stuff, but about your soul and your eternity. Number, let us see, last sub-point here, there must be an individual decision for Christ. So if, you, if Jesus had this crowd of people, they were followers, but they weren't saved, part of his dealing with them, watch this, the language he uses is, if any man, if any man, if anyone, he speaks in individual terms to them. Look at verse 40. Jesus says, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone, it's talking about individuals which seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. Am I in that? Ask yourself, am I in that? Am I one of those? Not the crowd. Do you get that? Say, ask yourself today, am I one of those? He said, everyone. Or am I just part of the crowd? Have I individually believed? Jesus makes appeal to individual belief. Look what it says in verse um, 50, this Jesus referring to himself, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that, what does it say? A man may eat thereof and not die. Jesus is saying a person must individually trust me. Look what it says in verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. So Jesus is making the appeal of individual decisions for Christ, if any man. Ask yourself, have I individually trusted Christ as my Savior? You don't have to have, you don't have, to have um, achieved anything else. You don't have to impress God with anything else. You don't have to be a member of this church. Any of that, you just say, can I be the if any man? Yes, you can be the if any man. If you individually realize that you spiritually are starving and Jesus spiritually is the food and you, and you in your faith say, Jesus, I want you. You're that bread. I accept you as my Savior to be my forgiveness of sins. Come into my life. Save my soul. Then he becomes that living bread that when you trust him, you're going to live forever. And all the worldly bread you eat right now, you're still going to die. All the organic and everything else, you're still going to die. But Jesus, your body's going to die. You're going to go with him and you'll get a new one. You're going to live forever. So ask yourself, have I individually trusted Christ as my Savior? That's what you need to do today. If you believe on Christ as your Savior, 
and trust Him and confess with your own mouth, you will be saved. He needs so many plain terms. He says, verse 47, Verily, verily, absolutely, count on this, count on this. I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Isn't that beautiful? And so I say, I don't want to just be a, I don't want to just be a follower or a just merely a follower. I want to be in the family. And that's how a person should think today if you're not saved. And that's how we should be thinking on behalf of people who maybe are kind of like that and go after them. So two questions. What sort are you? What sort of disciple are you? We're going to get into these other ones. But certainly if you're the disciple who's not a believer, stop. (laughs) Be a believer. Respond to God's drawing. I trust He's drawing you. And accept Him. That's the first question. What sort are you? And the second one, is do I need to probe somebody if I feel like Jesus sees I have people that are just interested in the bread? Somebody I need to probe a little further. They're benefiting from the bread of Christianity, but not the bread of the Christ. Do I need to confront somebody like Jesus did? Is that what you need to do? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word.